0: As it filled the cavity, it started to push the applicator out. So I was like, I guess I know it's filling well because it's pushing me out of here. So, perfect.
1: Welcome to Dog
2: Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Hello, friend. I'm Molly Jacobson. Today on Dog Cancer Answers, we're talking about a new palliative option for osteosarcoma that's making its way to the U.S. from Europe. The company TheraVet has developed a product called BioCeraVet that is injected into cancerous bone to strengthen it and provide both support and pain relief. To explain how this incredible cementoplasty procedure works, we're joined by Dr. Aki Vejamante from Belgium and Dr. Shana Stewart from North Carolina. Dr. Stewart is the first vet to do this procedure in the U.S. Dr. Aki, Dr. Stewart, thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here.
3: Thank you for having us, yeah.
2: Dr. Viamante, you asked me to call you Dr. Key. Is that okay?
3: Yes, it's perfect.
2: So, we're talking about cementoplasty, which just sounds like the most incredible, simple solution to bone fractures that I can imagine. Like, why don't we just put cement in it? <laughs> so, I was wondering how this happened? Who came up with this brilliant idea?
3: Well, this is actually a technique that comes from the human medicine uh-huh. and we are now, since a couple of years, starting to implement in veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, uh, Dr. Stewart is the pioneer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the first reports in, of cementoplasty date of the 80s, 84 I think it is, and it started in human medicine for the um, vertebroplasty to fill Cavities caused by tumors or metastases of tumors, uh-huh. or even uh, in cases of compression fractures, it's quite used also, and it's usually used with PMMA, polymethyl It's a special bone cement that becomes quite hard. Other product is a medical device, so it's uh, not active on the body. It's just a bone cement that you are going to fill a cavity with. And in the process of filling that cavity, you are extracting as much of the tumor as possible, and that's the way it works. And that's what uh, the cementoplasty is um, in a nutshell.
0: Ironically enough, that's how I came to discover it here in the U.S. A friend of mine is a medical assistant at a spine and radiology center, and she was telling me about the um, kyphoplasty and verteboplasty they were doing for osteoporosis with compression fracture in people as bones get weak, older people are really susceptible to just compression fracture. So she was telling me about this and I was like, I wonder if there's something like that in dogs. And I was like, oh, look at this. (laughs) And it it just, uh, this was February, March. And I looked, or it was, it was very close to when it became available in the U S. Um, this year, Last year, Yes, last year. The first one I did was in early December, I believe. So it was just a few months prior that I had discovered everything. So the timing really worked out. That's really cool. So
2: just so that we're clear on the timeline, when did you first discover, what month did you first discover cementoplasty? I want to say
0: November. So this is really new. In the U.S. Yeah, in the U.S. certainly.
3: Yeah, in in Europe it's also very new. We had a different uh, formula of the product before, and we launched it in June of 2021. And in July of 2022, we launched the new formulation, which is ready to use. So in the previous version, you had to mix it yourself inside a syringe and then push it in. Okay. And the setting time was not forgiving. You had to do things very fast. And uh, then we change the new formulation, which is much more ergonomic, in which it comes ready to use in a syringe. You just have to connect the adapters and inject. Wow. And uh, that uh, gives you a prolonged time, so it's much more workable and allows the vet to really, you know, why do they put, perform the cementoplasty? They can evaluate the filling with the radiographs or a fluoroscopy, depending on what they have at hand.
2: And then go back in and sort of fine-tune things if they need to.
3: Yeah, yeah, The idea is you feel a little bit and you check, you a little, go a little bit more out. It's, uh, you feel a little bit more, you check always on two views to be sure that you're feeling as well as in the front as in the back and to the sides. So it's, uh, it's a process.
2: How incredible. So walk us through, walk us through the procedure from beginning to end. Is the dog anesthetized? Do you have to cut open to get to the bone? Can you just stick the syringe through the muscles? How does it work?
3: I think Dr. Suarez is the surgeon. I'm not the surgeon. So. Yeah, let's hear
0: from the <laughs> let's hear from the hands-on expert. So we do not have fluoroscopy, so we definitely did a lot of pre-op planning. So the dog is anesthetized, and I actually use sterile surgical staples as my markers for planning as I was getting pre op radiographs. Okay. So unfortunately, we didn't have fluoroscopy, but we were still able to... What uh, is fluoroscopy? So that's a real-time radiograph. Oh, okay. So so you're, you're seeing what's happening in real-time versus snapshots in time. So it's like a movie version of an X-ray rather than a photograph version of an X-ray. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, it's quite expensive and <laughs> not readily available, but uh, we make it work without it. So... With this, uh, depending on which bone you're working with and where the site is, the animal is anesthetized. You do make an incision based on your planning on how you're going to approach the bone. But it's typically a very small incision, one or two inches. We just need to access that bone in order to drill a small hole, access hole to get to the tumor, and remove as much tumor as we can, and then inject product.
2: So you go in, you remove the bone tumor, and then you fill up the hole.
0: Once you have that access point and the correct angle, you can kind of tell when you're getting into that bone tumor, it just feels a lot different. Mm. And then um, we used a lot of surgical flush, suction. We actually sterilized bottle brushes and use that to kind of decorticate tumor and get it out. To scrub out the inside of the bone, basically. Essentially. And that was just a innovative thought. You know, like, we wish we could just scrub this out. And I was like, we wait, could. we can. <laughs> we have the tool. It's called a bottle brush. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Once um, you're satisfied that you've removed as much as you can and you have a nice cavity to fill, you just put the adapter on the syringe. Mm -hmm. And um, the first time I did it, uh, I just started, you twist it, you don't push it. And as I twisted, as it filled the cavity, it started to push the um, applicator out. So I was like, I I guess I know it's feeling well because it's pushing me out of here. So perfect. Oh, and then you take an x-ray or a radiograph to
2: verify that you've gotten it in. Correct. Well, that's really fascinating. And then how long does it take to harden?
3: So normally in 24 hours, so the the product becomes to harden only when it is in contact with fluids. Oh. Call it blood, call it body fluids, uh, water, if you want to make an experiment on your table. But the moment that the product has contact with uh, fluids, then uh, the crystallization reaction will start to happen. So that moment starts the setting. After 15 minutes that the product is in contact with the fluid, you will start to see that there's like a crust forming on it. Uh Uh-huh. And at 24 hours, for such high volumes as the one that are injected in ososarcoma, you will have a hardness comparable to cancerous bone. So we are talking about uh, between the 10 and the 25 megapascals, which is already very good. And after four days, because we're talking about big volumes in osteosarcoma, you will have 45 megapascals, which is extremely hard. Wow. Uh, it's, it's become very, very hard. And, and it's designed to hold these compression forces on long bones, which will be the the weight-bearing forces that will occur on the bone. And what the product does is to withstand these forces exerted uh, on the bone and alleviate the pain this way.
2: So relieving pain is the number one goal.
3: Yes. I think that the main goal of the cementoplasty in both humans and our dear uh, four-legged friends is to alleviate the pain and increase the quality of life of the patient. Right. There's no other reason to do it. We are not trying to cure because we are not going to cure the cancer. We are trying to improve the quality of life to get a palliative care for these patients who are most definitely in need of a solution.
2: Okay. Dr. Stewart, would you use this instead of amputation?
0: Yes, so the first patient I used it on actually came to me because he was 96 pound, really long legged dog. And um, it was a forelimb that what he had a, the bone tumor in. And dogs bear 60% of their weight forelimbs, 40% on the back. So that much weight, losing a forelimb, it's really tough for those dogs. And the owner did not want to amputate. And I had just found the bone cement weeks prior and I said, hey, we can try this. <laughs> hey, I'm kind um, of a cowboy. Let's try this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: That, that's kind of how it worked out. <laughs> uh, I said, we're, we're going to be uh, winging it a little. But if your are game, because at the end of the day, if this doesn't work for whatever reason, he loses his leg, which is what's going to happen anyway. So, and she was like, absolutely, let's try. And it's fortunate we did because Colt took a spill a couple of weeks ago, and injured his other wrist, the opposite foreleg. So he was actually limping on the leg we had filled with bone cement for a couple of weeks. He's he's recovered now, but he definitely scared me. Certainly when I heard he was coming in for forelimb lameness. But she was like, "No, no, he sprained his other wrist chasing a ball." <laughs> I was like, no.
2: <laughs> "And the bone cement is making the leg that had osteosarcoma tumors in it." fine. It can hold his weight.
0: It can hold his weight. It can kind of carry the team for the front half with an injured opposite forelimb.
2: Now, Dr. Key, you mentioned that you're not trying to cure the cancer with us. Can you explain a little bit about why, how it's not a cure?
3: Well, osteosarcoma is not a cancer that you can cure. Most of the time, you're not treating to cure cancer, osteosarcoma. You're trying to we have a palliative treatment to diminish the presence of uh, metastasis, and we do that uh, by giving chemotherapy. We are not offering a cure because we are not there yet. But once the medicine gets there, I'm quite sure that we will get on the boat and add the curative medicine to the product. At this stage, we are already started. Uh, to find a way to mix the product with uh, the chemotherapy that is normally given. Cisplatin, uh, carboplatin, we're in the process of finding a way to mix them so that the vet can deliver locally some treatment. And this way, probably not only increasing the quality of life, but prolonging the period of time in which the metastasis will appear.
2: That's interesting. So
3: this will need a lot of time and and care and loving care. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that uh, we're on the good path and we're moving along with key opinion leaders that uh, give us their opinion on on the oncology part, which is very important because, to be honest, uh, surgeons are more like cowboys, like uh, Dr. Stewart, but uh, oncologists are more... uh, apprehensive when you tell them that uh, instead of eliminating the tumor, you're going just to eliminate one part of it by clearing the cavity and then replace it with a bone substitute or bone cement.
0: I have been looking into some pretty interesting osteosarcoma-specific information, and there is um, surgery-accelerated metastasis. So when you amputate osteosarcoma, there's always small tumor cells in circulation that break off of the primary tumor. And um, without getting too nerdy about it, I guess, there are cells in the lungs that when you amputate, change and... Specifically, that react to amputation and then become
2: more likely to be sites for metastasis?
0: There are macrophages, which are inflammatory cells that gobble up things that shouldn't be there, like osteosarcoma cells. And for some reason, when you amputate primary tumor, those cells in the lungs change and become more likely to go after these. So I feel like there is some actual benefit versus risk to leaving the tumor or some of the tumor specifically with osteosarcoma.
3: Just to add a little bit on what Dr. Sewer said is that During this meeting at the European Congress on Oncology, I also discussed with uh, other European leaders who are very interested in the technique just because there's this theory that says that by keeping the limb, you're still keeping the inflammatory signal that is controlling the tumor where it is and avoiding this metastasis to appear either in the lungs or secondary bones. So I think the the cementoplasty is getting in the focus for discussion. It's not that they are not behind it, it's just that they need more information, yeah. what, or what is happening at the location, and how is this really helping or not?
0: The more dogs we get with uh, bone cement, the more we can compare those to amputees. Yeah, and
3: exactly, I, I just
0: I don't think there's quite enough dogs yet to make that comparison. Mm-hmm.
3: No, not yet. And uh, the thing is that uh, even when we need very large number of dogs because. We don't have an homogeneous population. Right. We do not have the same breed, same age, right. same level of, uh, of advancement of the tumor. Then we don't have the same surgeon, which is a big factor always in the, uh, in the right. study. You have to be as homogeneous as possible. So we really need a large number of patients. So it's, uh, it's, difficult, to, it's difficult, but we're on the way. And uh, I think uh, we're going to publish very soon an article based on the first uh, formulation that we used and uh, we did a short study on it that showed that there was an increasing quality of life in the patients. And uh, we keep gathering cases, like Dr. Stewart who is very reactive with us and she is collaborating with us and she's uh, feeding us images and and the clinical parts of the patients. And like Dr. Stewart, we have a couple of vets also in Europe who are doing the same. So we are gathering these cases.
2: Did Colt, your first patient, Dr. Stewart, also, get chemotherapy? Are you continuing to do other standard of care for osteosarcoma patients?
0: He did get six rounds of carboplatin, which is, at least in the US, the kind of standard course following amputation. We started that, I think, five days after his bone cement, because you don't have to wait as long to start chemotherapy because there's not such a massive incision that needs to heal. So he did get chemo in addition to the bone cement. There is an immunotherapy where you submit tumor and the company I'm familiar with is Torigen, Mm -hmm. but they haven't recommended using immunotherapy in conjunction with bone cement because the primary tumor is still there. Uh, So you don't really want to train the immune system to go after tumor when, when your primary is still there. And then radiation is also an option. How
2: long is the recovery period after you sew the dog back up and send him on his way? Is it the tip normal surgical recovery times and anything people need to look out for?
0: With all of the dogs that have gotten them procedure, they do stay overnight on a constant rate infusion of pain medication. Uh Uh, Some people uh, will splint limbs. I have not just because they're not really moving around much and it hardens so quickly. And then Colt, I did have them restrict activity for 10 days, even though it was fully hardened in four days, just because I was being a little wimpy about it. But he walked (laughs) out of the hospital 24 hours later better than he walked in.
3: Most of dogs do go out walking the next day. With some limping still, and they improve gradually in time. But that there are also ducks who take more time to to start walking back on that limb, especially in proximal shoulders, distal uh, femurs, where the voids and the bone lesions was massive. Uh-huh. Especially when there is a lot of muscle mass involved, there's also a soft tissue inflammation sure. component that we don't have to forget about. And it's most in some cases in which we had a very nice filling of the cavity and uh, the dog comes back uh, and has to be amputated or euthanized just because the sarcoma keeps working how it works and causes an inflammation of the soft tissue that eventually is too much to walk on it.
0: I unfortunately have had that experience as well. I am a little more cautious with tumors that seem to be more. Proliferative versus lytic. Define those two words, proliferative and lytic, for our listeners. Proliferative is growing, making more bone, kind of like a plant would bloom out. Mm -hmm. Lytic is the tumors chewing up the bone, so you're just losing bone. Okay. Both are painful, Mm -hmm. and if you can remove that proliferative, lytic, whichever it may be, and put in the bone cement, you're making them more comfortable, but the more proliferative tumors or the tumors that behave that way, there's only so much room for them to expand before they're impinging on soft tissues. And even though they're not, the bone isn't painful because it's stabilized, it's making everything else around it painful. I see. So a
2: proliferative tumor might not be a good candidate.
0: I would discuss it with the owner. I'm concerned this may happen. And if you have financial concerns, then you might want to skip this and go straight to amputation. But I wouldn't be opposed to trying because cancer does what it wants. And I'm never going to make that call and rule a dog out because you never know. A lot of listeners
2: really do appreciate veterinarians who lay out all the options that are available and then let them make the choice rather than excluding things.
0: That's one reason I was drawn to veterinary medicine is there's so many new things happening right now and so many things to try. And as long as there's research behind it and first do no harm, I'm game to try it.
3: As a company, when you launch a product uh, and you need people to try it and to stand behind it in front of a pet owner, it's uh, it's nice to have someone like Dr. Stewart that uh, is... How you say it? I'm having the word in, in Dutch in my head, but not in English. Yeah, uh,
2: someone who's innovative.
3: Yeah, innovative. Yeah. I, I will just also say that every time we get a question, either from a pet owner or a vet, we always give them back feedback, especially to vets. So at pet owner, we, I will not give the same kind of feedback like you should do this in the surgery. But right. the pet owners, we try to direct towards a vet in the region who's doing the, the technique. And with vets, what we do is be completely sincere, completely open and say, look, this is not a good candidate. Don't use the product. We are not there just to sell. We are there to help you on the way.
2: I'm so sorry, but before we go there, because that's an important thing I want to talk about, let's take a quick break and listen to our sponsors. And we'll be right back with Dr. Aki talking about which dogs might not be good candidates for this procedure.
4: And now a message from your dog.
1: Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. (laughs) No matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good in this life and the next, and the next, and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me.
4: So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, Full Spectrum Veterinarian Damian Dressler and Veterinary Oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold. But if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code podcast, and you will save 10% the website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code podcast to save 10%. information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free no strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com.
2: And we're back. So what dogs would you say are not good candidates, Dr. Aki?
3: Well, what we suggest as the minimum necessary is that you still have one cortical intact. So imagine a round bone Mm -hmm. and the osteosarcoma has been eating all of the sides, the cranial part, the front part, the lateral and the medial part, but you still have something on the back. Well, the product needs to give support to something.
2: Right. If there's a full break in that bone, this is not going to fill it in. There has to be something to fill it in.
3: There have been cases where they have tried and the dog is doing fine for some weeks and then not anymore because we're not supporting anything. It's the only the product that is supporting that bone. And the moment that the osteolosis keeps advancing, then the product cannot keep up. So the main idea is that you have at least one cortical bone intact to which you are going to provide support and that uh, the patient doesn't have metastasis because uh, if the patient has metastasis, well, the the prognosis is very bad.
2: How many dogs who are newly diagnosed with osteosarcoma would you think might be eligible for this?
0: I think one of the biggest things is um, where in the course of disease the dog is. So if an owner... Immediately sees their dog limping and brings them in, and it's diagnosed, they're much more likely to be a candidate because it's early on, much less likely to have metastasis, much less likely to have a situation where we can't use the product because there's so much tumor there. So I think having owners that get their limping dog in really quickly gives us the best chance of being able to offer that option. I imagine dogs still need to be on pain medications, staying on pain medication or or an anti-inflammatory in the patient population we run into. They probably need it anyway. So um,
3: There's always the soft tissue component, especially in proximal humerus, distal femur, proximal tibias. The soft tissue component uh, we are not solving, unfortunately. So there's always some kind of pain. Distal radiuses and distal tibias are the ones that we have seen that do not require that much um, post-care. However, we know that some vets use desinflammatories as part of the treatment of the cancer. So it's uh, even if it is not related to pain, there are some desinflammatories involved in the treatment of the dog.
2: So what are the costs associated with
0: cementoplasty? Depending on your area and the vet you choose... I would expect it to be comparable to the cost of a limb amputation.
2: Okay, so where do listeners go if they want to know if their dog's
0: a candidate? Who's doing this besides you, Dr. Stewart? I'm a general practitioner, so I think universities and referral centers are probably not as ready to jump on something new and try it because that's just kind of the nature of The beast. There's Um, plenty of
2: veterinarians, I'm sure. And we have a lot of veterinarians who listen to our show. And I'm sure that their ears are perking up. And there's more than one cowboy out there. so
0: (laughs) I'm sure of it. (laughs) It, My my, my life motto is, uh, it'll probably be fine. So uh, (laughs) go for it. I love it. All right. And then in terms of
2: if a veterinarian were interested in offering this, is there special training that you offer at TheraVet, Dr. Key?
3: Well, we have designed, based on the experience of the surgeons who have been doing the surgery for the last two years, we have put together a step-by-step guide. If a vet wants to to have some advice or discuss the technique, I email away, a uh, call away, and I'm, I'm always available. So everything is on the step-by-step guide, the tips and the tricks and the mindset that you have to have.
2: Which countries in Europe currently offer cementoplasty?
3: We have what we call uh, the Othosarcoma Centers of Excellence. That's a network of vets who have performed the technique. And um, they are based in Belgium, Netherlands, France, the UK, Ireland, Scotland. But the product is readily available to be sent uh, worldwide. I think it's a nice solution, solution, palliative treatment, let's not forget it. But it's a nice option for vets Because normally what do we have now is uh, giving bad news on bad news. Right. So giving them this option of having a dog still on four legs for the same time that they will be on three legs. Well, let's try.
2: Well, I have so enjoyed learning about cementoplasty with the two of you. I'm wondering if you have any last words of advice for dog lovers facing osteosarcoma about cementoplasty or any other advice you have.
3: Maybe my advice um, as a vet and as a dog lover will be um, it is not the end of the world. There are options. Here we are offering one of them, not the only one. So keep an open mind and keep pushing through what it's expecting in the short future because uh, dogs with bone tumors will suffer and the families will also suffer. And uh, the vets are suffering constantly about it also because they have not much to offer. So I think it's... uh, Something that we have to do all together and push towards uh, a better solution, better uh, approach all together.
2: Dr. Stewart?
0: In the end, do what's right for your pet, what's best for your pet, what's best for you, what's best for your family, and whatever that looks like. There's never a right or wrong answer when it comes to these things, but there are options available. And when you get a diagnosis, don't take that at face value. Take a little time, process, and see what's out there, and um, don't make any snap judgments. That is excellent advice
2: from both of you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks to you. Thank
2: you for having us. And thank you, friend, for listening today. What an interesting new technique this is, cementoplasty for dogs with osteosarcoma. For more information on osteosarcoma, you can always check our website dogcancer.com and you can always call our listener line. I'd love to hear from a listener who tries cementoplasty with questions or with a follow-up. Maybe we'll have you on a future show. Our listener line is 808-868-3200. That's it for today. I'm Molly Jacobson. And from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'm wishing you and your dog a warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcancer.com
1: or call our listener line at 808-868-3200.